So uh, tonight uh, I'm going to share that the title is Selah. And uh, so of course many of you know that's from the book of Psalms. That it's Many times as the psalmist would write that word simply means to stop and ponder these things. To take a few moments. And uh, you know and so uh, you know today actually this morning uh, many of you know that we're in the middle of a rehab project. And so I had some guys coming to do some work but I didn't want to pay them to dig this certain trench because you know, I'm cheap. And so I you know uh, so yeah. I don't know if I'm cheap, but I'm too, if, frugal. yeah, frugal. I don't like paying people to do something that I'm like, I'll do that. And especially, so anyhow, so I had the idea that I was going to dig this trench because I'm moving some equipment in the yard. And so I've got, you know, I didn't want to pay them to dig it. And uh, so anyhow, so I, I'd started on it yesterday and went back this morning and I went to finish it up. And so I'm out there digging this trench, you know, getting busy and, uh, you know, and of course it's hot and it's, you know, uh, you know, I had to do some other stuff first thing in the morning, and so I didn't start till about 10.30-ish, and uh, it's in full sunlight, and so I might have a little bit of a tan, praise the Lord, it is possible, and uh, miracles still happen. I'm tan, I'm tan, look at there, and uh, so um, anyhow, so I was out there digging after a few minutes, and I'm drinking my water, and you know, and I'm trying to pay attention to how hot I'm getting and all that. And so, you know, after a few minutes, or I say after a few minutes, probably after about an hour, I thought, I'm going to go inside and stand under the fan for a few minutes. And uh, so I go inside and, you know, turn on the fan. I actually had a chair sitting there. You know, and one of the things that happened was that I realized my heart rate really started to ramp up because I didn't realize how hot I had gotten. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, and, and so, you know, I cooled down, drank some more water and, you know, sat there for a few minutes, got back up and went, went outside and started digging a while longer. And I thought, well, I'm gonna go back inside. That was pretty nice earlier when I went and sat down under that fan. So I'm gonna go do that again. And the same thing happened, you know, and so I got there and I finished my deal. And, and you know, and here's the reason I tell you this, because this is really the focus of what I want to share with you tonight is that many times, spiritually speaking, we're so busy doing that we don't realize how wore out we are. Amen. We're so busy being a Christian that we forget about the reason for being a Christian. You know, and, and, and even to that degree, we don't even realize really how tired and how uh, wore out that we can get just trying to do life. You know, and we're not created to do life in and of ourselves. I mean, God created us as dependent upon Him. You know, we're really not supposed to be dependent upon other people, but we are supposed to be dependent on Him. But many times what happens is because we just go, 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 we don't realize how wore out we are. And I'm not just, and I don't mean just in a physical sense. I mean in our heart, like between us and the Lord. Like we don't realize that we've lost that connection and that life with Him. And yet without that life, you can sustain it for a time. But it's just for a time. And there has to be that vital connection. I mean, that's why Jesus talks about in John 15 that I am the vine and you are the branch. Look apart from me. Without my life flowing through you, you can't do anything. And you will dry up, spiritually speaking, in your own heart. You know, and so really tonight, um, what I want to share with you is about that. You know, I hadn't even planned about telling you about what I had done this morning. But as we were worshiping, it came back to me. You know, and many times, and I've been there, and everybody, I think every person in life gets there. But I'll say this, this is not something that a vacation fixes. It's not something that I just need a day off. Why? Because natural rest is not the problem. It's a spiritual matter at its core, and so it has to be dealt with in that manner. You know, and so, you know, I'll kind of give you a little bit of, uh, and some of you know this, some of you don't, but, you know, um, before, it was, when I left Kansas, the Lord gave me eight months, basically, and said, you're going to take time off. 
which was very strange for somebody who likes to do stuff and likes to be busy and likes to just, you know, and part of it was is I didn't know how to take a day off. And, you know, and to really, um, even in the natural, yes, but also spiritually, you know, I just went, 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 went. And it was like the Lord just said, hey, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, I don't know how else to say this other than just to say it, is that it's almost like the Lord said, you've not honored the Sabbath and you owe me some. So you're going to take some time off for ministry, from all these things. And I was praying about a lot of stuff, and it was like God just wasn't talking to me. And, uh, you know, and part of it was is that I didn't realize uh, in my own heart that I had disconnected from a lot of my personal walk with the Lord. Now, I was still active in my walk with the Lord. I was still reading the Bible. But that fresh life and that really the vitality of my life, it was a lot of have-tos, not a lot of want-tos. Uh, anybody else know what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, and, and there comes a point where you can stay in that place, but that's where you get to burn out. You know, I mean, it's, you know, because we, and, and look, we all know people that were loving the Lord and walking with Jesus, and then it seems like all of a sudden they just, it's like, what happened? They didn't get there in a moment. But what they didn't do was to stop and to call a timeout and say, hey, I've got to get to a point now where I've got to, Say, hey, something's got to give in this moment. And many times in the church, especially as as Christians, as believers, we'll feel guilty for that. And, uh, you know, so the word selah, we see it a lot throughout the book of Psalms. But I want to give you what the definition is not actually what many people say, which is to stop and think on these things. That's a very common, um, what people would say that word actually means. This is the actual definition according to the Hebrew. It's a suspension, a pause, or an interruption. A suspension... A pause or an interruption. How many of you have ever been watching TV and all of a sudden you get the music goes boom, boom, boom. And it's like we interrupt this regularly scheduled program to bring you some breaking news, whatever it might be. It's an interruption in what? The schedule of what's supposed to be on TV. And usually it's during your favorite show and it's something that you don't care about. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care about this. I just want to watch my show. Get me back to the game, whatever it may be. But that's, that's actually what that word means, is that to stop. Like, don't keep reading, take a break, pause here for a moment. And I believe that as, if we're going to have longevity in our walk with the Lord, we're going to have to learn how to do this. You know, and to take that moment, and, and for me, this is what was hard, was to not feel guilty about it. You know, I remember um, there was a, you know, I don't play really anymore just because of, I don't know, I guess, location, but I used to play a lot of disc golf. Some of y'all know what that is, some of y'all don't. And uh, I take Frisbees and I throw it at a metal basket. And I played a lot in Kansas. Uh, I mean, like, multiple days a week. I did it all the time. Um, Love to play. I would travel. I mean, I drive. I mean, I played, you know, I played in Australia when I went to Australia just to say I did. And, uh, you know, that kind of deal. And um, so anyhow, but uh, I remember when I was at, when I went back to Shreveport and we were there during that eight-month period, and um, there was a, you know, it was before I'd gone back on staff there, and so it was, I don't know, it was about eight months, but at some point during that time, you know, they have tournaments, and most of y'all know I'm a competitive guy, and I'm like, hey, I like tournaments because I like to win, and, uh, you know, I want to see how good I actually am, and so, but the problem is they're always on Saturday and Sunday. Well, I'm a preacher, 
So how am I going to do that on a Sunday? And so I had the opportunity, though, to go play on a Sunday. And, um, you know, and so I told Dear, I said, look, I may never get another opportunity to do this, so why not? And, uh, you know, and so anyhow, so long story short, I go and, you know, I didn't go to church that morning because I was playing. And uh, so Pastor Sam had uh, bumped into Dear and he said, well, where's David at today? And, uh, you know, of course. And, uh, and so, and she said, well, he's at a disc golf tournament. And his response kind of surprised me, honestly, when she told me later. He said, well, good for him. And he followed up with, it might be 20 years before he gets to do it again. You know, I mean, because he's been in the ministry 40 years. He understands that there's, you know, but there are times that, you know, and that's a natural thing that I just enjoy. I enjoy being outside. I, love, I enjoy competition. I, I enjoy the camaraderie of playing sports. I mean, it's just part of how I'm wired. That's something that I enjoy. And so, but even in that, like, it's okay that I miss church once. It was okay, like, you know, church still happened and the... You know, and I got to go do something that I didn't get to do very often. You know, but it took me a long time to get to the place where I could just say, you know, church is important, but God's not going to be mad if I do this every now and then. And I understand that. You know, and even in my, just my, my life, to even take a day off is a big deal for me. Like I have to, I know this may seem weird, I have to schedule my days off and then I have to make sure I actually take them. Like, I have to get on to myself and be like, no, you said, and this is how I define a day off, a day with my family. That's how I define a day off, because that's what matters most to me. And so, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I, you know, so if I set that time aside, that I don't go find something else to do apart from them. Uh, And so, you know, those are some things, but I have to be intentional about that. You know, and even with the Lord, there's times in my own life, um, you know, and and I've become uh, even more and more and more where I'm starting to schedule times where I'm going to take a couple days and I'm going to go get away with the Lord. Now, it might be a day, it might be two. Um, You know, the last one I did was in December. I got away for three days uh, just by myself, just me and Jesus. And, uh, And it was amazing really what came out of those three days, but it was because of my intentionality to say, hey, I'm going to stop the day to day. And I'm going to make really hearing from God a priority. And so, but it was an interruption. And quite frankly, it cost me money because those are days I would have actually worked. So it actually cost me to do this, like in actual monetary terms. But I value that more important than I did money. And what I walked away with, even out of those three days, is still paying dividends. It's the reason that I encourage everybody to do a 21-day fast to start the year. Why? It's an interruption. It's, it's taken a moment to say, hey, we're focusing on the Lord to start our year. And so, you know, this is really uh, what I believe. And to be successful in the long term, you're going to have to be intentional about these moments and making sure. And if you don't schedule, it's not going to happen. It's just not. You know, well, you know, I should take a day off. I should be alone with the Lord. I should do this and I should do. Okay, put it on a calendar. Put it, like, put it down and just say, look, at this point of this, you know, I mean, I made some commitments to Dara, and I told her, I said, look, at the beginning of the year, I need you to help me because I need to make sure that I block out time for me to go get alone by myself, uh, like me and Jesus kind of time because I'm introverted. I know some of you are like, yeah, of course you are. Some people are like, no, you're not, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And, uh, and so even for me, I mean, I need family time, but I also need alone time. Um, you know, and so that's just the way my personality is. And, you know, but that alone time is not just 
me laying on the couch doing nothing. My alone time is me either, you know, and I'll get into some of this uh, specifics here shortly, but some of those things are like, I go fishing. I might go fishing by myself. I'll listen to preaching or I'll, you know, I'll do all kinds of things, but it's things that I enjoy. I don't have to catch fish to enjoy fishing. Now, catching fish makes it better, of course, but I just like being outside. I like being out on water. I like to see water. I don't know why. I love to be in the mountains. I mean, like, I, I can go to Colorado, and the moment I step out of the car, I'm like, the air feels differently. And I can feel my body relax. Why? It's just the way I'm wired. Dara, we're going to the beach here in about a month. As soon as we get, she sees sand, she's going to be like, <sighs> and she's going to relax. And I'm going to be looking for a towel, because I'm going to be sweating like crazy. You know, and so, but... That's But those are things. But the thing is, you don't always have to go to a place. You don't have to go to the beach. You don't have to go to the mountains. You don't have to go somewhere. Sometimes it's just a matter of making a priority of saying, okay, I'm going to turn off the TV, and I'm going to interrupt my regularly scheduled Tuesday night, and I'm going to go spend some time with the Lord. You know, husband, wife, I love you. You got the kids tonight. I need some time with just me and the Lord. And you may go, you know, some people love to ride motorcycles, things like that. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, one thing that I want to share, if you hear nothing else I say, hear this one statement tonight. Because this is, uh, I heard this years ago, and it's pay, really paid a lot of uh, dividends for me. And it's helped me many times, especially when it comes to making a big decision. And so here's the statement. Never make a big decision from a low play or from a place of low spirituality. Don't make a big decision in your life. When you're low, when your spiritual tanks are low. Why? Because you can't walk in the wisdom of God if you don't have gas in the tank. And so my, my encouragement to you is this, is if you're facing a large decision, you need to make sure and set that time aside that you go and get alone with the Lord before you make that decision. Build your spirit man up. And, and I'm going to give you a few things here tonight of how to do this. This is going to be fairly practical tonight. Um, you know, but it's important. And many times we make decisions and then we want to pray about it after. Remember in January, I told you, I said one of the things that the Lord kind of stirred my heart was to pray first. You know, like before I do anything else, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to seek the Lord first. And I'm going to ask, it's not, God, here's my plan. Will you bless this? It's saying, God, what will you bless? What is your plan for my life? Because that's what you will bless. But many times we can't hear that. Uh, specifically, I'll just tell you, specifically, uh, when I got away for three days in, in December, this was why. It was for direction for the church for this year. And I got direction for the year in three days for our church and for the vision and things that God was stirring in my heart to know. What do we need to be busy about this year? What do we need to be focusing on? We made a lot of kind of internal structural changes um, at the beginning of the year. Some of them are still playing out, um, you know, but that all came because I set time aside and said, Lord, I don't need my plan. I need your plan and I need your agenda. But I had to prioritize that. But when I prioritized it, he began to speak, you know, and it's not like earth shattering things. I mean, you know, but it, it was things that I needed to be told and things I needed to hear. And so a lot of what I shared at the beginning of the year came out of, those couple of days away, you know, and so I uh, just want to encourage you in a few things. But here in Genesis chapter two, there's a uh, it's the really the creation of Adam, uh, really of man. 
And it says here in this important verse, in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and it says he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and man became a living being. Now, many of you know this and can understand it, but I just want to remind you, Adam was physically made. He was there as a man. His body, God had formed him. But he had no life until the life of God was breathed into his nostrils. And the same is true for us. We can be like zombies. You look like a person, you move like, sort of like a person, but there's no real life in you. You know, and the thing is, is exactly what it says, is that God breathed the breath of life. Just like I was talking about a few minutes ago, when I went and sat down in that chair and that fan was blowing on me, there was some recovery from what? The heat. I'm drinking some nice cold water. I didn't even realize how hot I had gotten. I didn't realize how fatigued I had gotten in just a little bit of time. But once I got into that place where there was some fresh air, some air blowing on me, I realized I'm, I got a little too hot. See, that's why it's important for us to have this connection with the Father. Because many times we can be so busy doing, going, happening, all these stuff that we don't even realize. You know, even what we're talking about on Sunday with our, you know, spiritual armor is that we may have the armor, but we ain't got the energy. Like, man, I look like I'm ready to fight, but I don't have the energy to fight. And we wonder why the enemy is getting the upper hand. It's not because we're not equipped. It's because we're exhausted. And so we're letting our guards down. And that happens. The most dangerous time that I have ever found that the enemy attacks is when I'm tired. Spiritually, physically. And he comes at one because I've not paid attention. And I've not done the wisdom of, of God where it says that, hey, we've got to call a timeout. We've got to have a divine interruption into my regularly scheduled life. You know, and it doesn't always have to be for days. Sometimes it's, I'm going to take my lunch. You know, I, I told you about that eight-month period that I took off, basically, from ministry. And I, I still did some work, but it was, um, you know, I mean, I'm still natural, still got bills. And so I worked enough to pay our bills and to do some things. But I spent a lot of time in prayer. But one of the things um, that I remember specifically was I was doing some work. and uh, But it happened the time of the year fell where it was the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so I just remember, I was like, well, shoot, you know, I'm working outside. Of course, it's January, but it's still doing pretty manual labor and, um, you know, and it was a pretty tiring work. And I just remember thinking like, okay, well, every year I've always, you know, done this, but I'm a preacher. And so, you know, people always say, well, you don't do the kind of work I do. So I just like, well, I'm going to put it to the test because I'm doing, I mean, like when I say I'm doing manual, I was laying road like by hand asphalt, like literally. So yeah, pretty physical. And, um, but I just made the determination. I fast 21 days at the beginning of every year. I'm going to fast this year. People tell me they can't do it, so I, let's, let's find out. And, uh, but one of the things that I did was I was at this particular place and they had these little barns, like little round-top barn things. And um, so I brought a little speaker with me. And instead of eating lunch every day, I went out there in those little huts and I prayed. I just worshiped the Lord, spent time with the Lord. And I was able to do my work and to do my thing. And it, you know, But I had made a priority in that moment of really focusing on the presence of God. And finding, okay, God, like, you're going to sustain me. And I'm convinced that that eight months is actually what got me to here. Because if I wouldn't have done what I needed to do during my 
break, so-called, what everybody else thought was a break, if I wasn't doing spiritually, the doors to come here would have never happened. Ever. I mean, it, it was just a supernatural, just the whole thing, the way I got here, everything. Which, it wasn't just Pastor Dennis calling. It was a year and a half before. But it was that I was doing the right things back when nobody was watching and nobody cared. That that's ultimately what created and what opened the opportunity for us to step into what God had for us. You know, but it was because we were taking advantage of that time. You know, we weren't just, you know, doing nothing. You know, and the thing is, is that we were making really a focus on the presence of God and really connecting. And just as it says here, is that God breathed the breath of life. Every now and then, we need a fresh breath. You know, when I sat down in that chair earlier today, I just started taking good deep breaths, just calming down, just trying to get some fresh air, some cool air into my lungs. Why? Because I was really hot. And man, it felt good. Because I can tell you, it felt a lot better than the air I was breathing in from outside. I'd breathe out there and I'm just like, it's hot. And yet, you know, but even spiritually speaking, there are times that, hey, we need to take a deep breath. That's why even during times of worship, you're like, why aren't we singing a song? Why aren't we just playing music? That's your moment to breathe in. To breathe in the presence of God and to say, God, okay, I need a, you know, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but you need a breath of fresh air. Because you're taxed, because the enemy, because you are in a fight. Well, you've got to be able to recover. And this, that is part of our time, even in corporate worship, but there's also private worship as well. So, uh, I've made the statement a couple times, but... Uh, you know, one of the first things that I would encourage you to do, especially if you find yourself in a place of low spirituality. You're like, well, what does that mean? If you find yourself spiritually weak, spiritually insufficient, spiritually lacking, you can call it whatever you want. The most important thing you can do is to call a timeout and recognize it. It's to recognize that, hey, I've got to do something in this moment because it, what, the way it's going is not going well. And so I need to call a timeout. I need to take a moment. And so uh, really what I mean by that is you've got to spend some time refreshing your spirit, man. Finding that time and, and really relaxing. And when I say relaxing, I don't mean like in a, in a physical sense. Again, we're not talking about vacation. Because you can get back from vacation and be wore out. And sometimes you can come back from vacation and be worse than when you went. And uh, you got a lot less money too, so now you're stressed about that. And, uh, you know, but, there, but I'm talking about spiritually speaking. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6. David finds himself in a moment where he was spiritually at a low point. Why? Because he had come from really the the peak of victory of battle to come home to find out that his home had been ravaged. Not just his, but also all of his soldiers. And their wives and their children had all been taken. And it says in verse 6 that David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons, their daughters, and they began to talk of stoning David. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Other translations say it this way. Is that David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David had. Let me say it this way. David had no friends to talk to. He had nobody else to call and say. Hey will you pray with me. My heart is not doing so well right now. There was nobody else on the to call or to look to. Why? Because they were all looking at him ready to kill him. And I, I can't say that I've ever been. 
where I couldn't even talk to anybody that I felt like was on my side or anybody to encourage me. Yet David finds himself where there was nobody to encourage him. And so it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Other translations say that he strengthened himself in the Lord. Uh, The Amplified Bible says it that way. It says that uh, David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In other words, he looked to God for his strength. He looked to God for his encouragement first and foremost. And I believe that's important because, you know, people can only be so much for us. People are not ultimate. Only God is ultimate in our life. People can help and they can, um, you know, feel certain aspects of our life. But many times we will talk to people and to share with people and, you know, but yet we'll talk a lot more than we actually pray about a situation. And yet all the talking in the world isn't going to do squat to get God to help us. But yet when I pray in accordance to Scripture, I'm actually now talking to the Lord and I'm opening up the the opportunity and the avenues for Him to work for me. And by making uh, really a priority of His presence, He's going to begin to speak. And now because my heart's where it needs to be, I can hear Him accurately. See, the Lord speaks. The question is, are we really in a place to hear? That's a heart issue. Uh, you know, and so we have to make a priority. And so one of the things, so number one thing, if you find yourself in a place and you can call it whatever you want. Some people call it the desert. I've had a few of those desert seasons where I feel like, Lord, I'm out here wandering and I don't know where you are. And, you know, but one of the main things you can do, look, I mean, I, I'm going to say this uh, just briefly and I don't have time to get into it. But this is what I found about desert seasons. You know, uh, you can look in the life of Joseph. He was in the prison. That's a pretty bad place, unjustly locked up, and yet he had a choice that he was either going to look to God to help him or he was going to look to people. Ultimately, he chose people because he said to the baker and to the cupbearer, hey, remember me when you come before the king. He should have kept his mouth shut and just said, Lord, you're going to take care of me because this is just what I believe. And you can take it if you want. You don't have to. Two days or two years, it was up to Joseph. God could have got him out that day. Because it says in the course of time, the baker remembered Joseph. Why do you think he remembered Joseph all of a sudden? Because the Lord had reminded him. God could have reminded that guy the day he got out. But yet, Joseph had put his confidence in his stock in other people more than he did the Lord. Therefore, he opens his mouth and starts talking and says, Hey, remember me, help me out. Remember, I gave you a good word. You got, I got a friend in you. You're my friend. Remember, me and you. And yet two years went by before the Lord reminds him. Why? Because there were some things in Joseph that needed to be changed. And so even in those seasons that we may feel like, that, Lord, you've abandoned me. And Lord, you, there are some things that are happening that need to happen in us during those seasons. And one of the things about what I would call a desert season is this, is that it produces brokenness. And that's something that God can work with. Not a brokenness like damage, but a brokenness as in a willingness before the Lord. To say, Lord, I can't do anything about this. And I need you to work for me. You know, and, and so, um, but anyhow, so the first thing you got to do is to recognize, hey, I'm in this season. Call a time out. Do what you got to do. But call a time out. Here's the next thing. And this one is uh, number, so, you know, I would put it in priority. But uh, I said these were going to be practical. So I'm going to say this, and it might sound a little funny. But this is the way to recover your spiritual breath. You've got to get to a place where you can enjoy God. Enjoy His presence, that freshness of His presence. 
Where it's not just I'm doing this out of duty. I'm coming because, man, this is the house of God. This is the presence of God. And this is where I get my life. This is where I get my fresh breath. And so there's several ways you can do this. Uh, Number one is through times in His Word. Spending time in the Word. Go and read. Get a book. Get something that can help. Not just any book, but get a spiritual book. Um, You know, something that will stir your spiritual uh, desire, your spiritual hunger. Um, One of the other things is through prayer and through worship. It ought to be a part of our life. We don't worship. We are worshipers. That should be the course of our life. The other thing you can do is to call a fast. You know, fasts don't have to be 21 days. You can do a one-day fast. You can do a, a one-meal fast. You can do a TV fast. You can fast about anything you want. Ask the Lord, is there anything I need to get out of the way? Is there anything I need to call a timeout from? You know, I, I mean, is there anything that's distracting me right now? And ask the Lord. But you've got to get to a place where it's not just duty, where it's not just um, just obligation. Well, I'm reading the Bible because that's what I do. That's what I have to do. If I don't, pastor's going to ask me, you've been reading your Bible? And I'm going to be like, no. Somebody's going to ask me. But there's no life in that. What about, I mean, I remember when I first got saved, I didn't go out, to, I didn't go out on the weekends. I stayed home. As a 17-year-old kid, which is really weird, I read my Bible and I prayed. Why? Because I'd met Jesus. Not church that I had known. I met Jesus. And it changed me. Like in a very real way. Very deep way. So all those other things didn't, weren't so important anymore. I mean, I love playing sports. My mom told me a couple years later, she said, I knew the Lord had done something because your attitude had completely changed. She said, ESPN wasn't a priority. Sports wasn't a priority. All these things that had been the priority of my life for my entire life. I started playing sports when I was four, and it's all I did all year round. I never stopped playing. I loved playing. And she said, I knew something happened. When I got saved, I, I quit playing baseball. I was just like, this isn't what God has for me. Still loved it, but it wasn't that important to me anymore. And so what it was is that I had found something else that I enjoyed greater than that. And that was getting alone in the presence of God. Because I was, you know, I mean, God was speaking. It seemed like every time I read the Bible. But in some time, that changed. And it just became, well, that's just the Bible. I know what the Bible says. You know, there's two ways to read the Bible. You can read it or it can read you. And the better one is when it reads you. Why? Because that's when the life and that revelation's coming. And it's not just words on a page anymore, but there's actual substance that, man, it's, it's shaping your heart and shaping your life. So if you're going to recover your strength, you're going to have to get to the place where you enjoy the presence of God because you want to be there, not because you got to be. Not just like, well, you know, this is the expectation. This is what everybody expects of me. That's a dangerous place to be. I've been there. Well, this is what I have to do. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I love you, but I don't do what I do for you. I do what I do because I love God. So every time I minister, I'm ministering to please Him. That's why sometimes I say things. I'm like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But then the Lord's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like, okay, then I'm okay with that then. If he's okay with it, I guess I'm okay with it. Why? Because, I mean, yes, I want to bless you. Yes, I want to to bring word to you that brings life to you. But 
I do it for an audience of one. And that's him. Because I get to do this. I don't have to do this. You know, and there's, a, and, and there's just a, a mental approach. And so, but if you're going to regain your spiritual strength and your spiritual fervor, it's going to start there. I mean, it's what, you know, he talks about, Jesus talks about to the church of Laodicea. He says, hey, come back to your first love. Come back to that place of passion with me. Don't, you know, I, I mean, where that, that fire and that passion is vibrant in our walk with the Lord. Here's another one. So you enjoy God, number one. You got to get to that place. And you're like, well, how do you do it? You go to the well. You go to the well of God and you keep drawing from that well. Whatever works for you, you might need to get on a lake where you can spend some time in the outdoors. It might be on the beach. I don't care where you go. It might be reading a book. It might just be getting some time alone. It may be turning your phone off. It's okay. The world will still be here when you turn the phone back on. It will. The world will not fall apart because somebody can't get a hold of you. I mean, that used to be an actual problem. Well, they're not home. I guess I have to call them later. Like that actually used to be a thing. Most all of you can remember this. Like, oh, well, now we get mad. I text you and you didn't respond. And I know you checked it because I see it on my phone where it says you read it at such and such. I ain't the only one that does that. We all know. No, we've got to get back to the place where, hey, that God is the priority. Number two, this one's important too, is that we've got to enjoy others. We've got to get to a place where, man, we don't just tolerate the people we're around all the time. If you're just tolerating people, you're not going to be a very happy person. Because it, it, it will zap your spiritual life. It will. I'm just tolerating folks. Just putting up with it. Now you've got to get out of your... And you've got to call a time out. Now this may be... Take a vacation with your wife. Go on a date. Go somewhere. Do something. Take your kids somewhere. Go to the park. We did that with Max not too long ago. We were busy doing something. I don't remember what we were doing. We were running around. I saw a park and I pulled in there. I said, let's get out. And we just let him go run around and play. and doing all kinds of stuff. Don't be so busy doing life that you don't live. Does that make sense? I mean, because it's easy that just time happens. I mean, before you know it, I mean, Max is two and it'll feel like tomorrow. He'll probably be 18. That's what everybody tells me. It happens in a drop of a hat. He's two. I mean, it will be here in a couple of weeks. He'll be two, which I'm just like, how is this already happening? You know, I mean, it's all these things. But we can be so busy. I mean, you know, God gave you family as a blessing. And that's, that's. God's intention for family was to be a blessing. Now, I understand there's dynamics and there's like, well, you know, that part of the family, then you can't control every part of your family, but you can control your immediate, your household, your relationships, your, that you can influence. So get out and enjoy your life, enjoy your family, enjoy uh, your friends and your surroundings. I have friends that when I get low, I call. Why? Because I know by the time I get off the phone with them, they're going to make me laugh. They're going to, you know, they're gonna, I, they just encourage me. And I just get off the phone feeling better. I mean, you know, I have one particular friend who lives in Boston and, uh, you know, lives in Boston now. And um, 
I don't talk to a whole lot of people for a long time on the phone. I can get on the phone with him for hours. And we'll just talk about what? Dare's like, what y'all even talk about? I'm like, I don't know. Just stuff. <laughs> you know? But every time, she's like, you're in a better mood. I mean, there's times she'd be like, you need to go call him. And when's the last time you talked to him? Mm-hmm. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I've got other friends. She's like, you know, you need to... When's the last time you called so-and-so? Now, let me give you a scriptural example of this. It comes out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read out of two translations. The Apostle Paul, you know, we were created as relational beings, not just with God, but also with other people. Even the Apostle Paul needed a friend. Here in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, it says, uh, God bless one Sephorius. I think I said that right. I think. God bless his mama. God bless one Sephorius and his family. He says, many times I've been refreshed in that home. And he wasn't even embarrassed a bit that I was in jail. So in other words, what he's saying is, I have a real friend. I have somebody that I can count on. I have somebody that when I go to his house, it refreshes me. And it brings life to me. And those conversations with him bring life to me. The Amplified Bible says it this way. It says, uh, The Lord grant mercy to the family of one Sephorius because he often refreshed me and showed me kindness, comforting and reviving me like fresh air. And he was not ashamed of my chains for Christ's sake. He's got a good friend here. And he says, man, he has refreshed me and he's been kind to me. He's He's revived me with fresh air. If you're in a place of low spirituality, you've got to find people that are of like precious faith that you can lean on and talk to and be honest with. In a sense, to drop your guard and just be like, this is just me. Right now I'm ticked off. I'm not real happy with some stuff going on. And they're not going to judge you for what you got to say, but you're just being honest. Let me say it in other words. You need people you can bleed in front of. Now I know we're supposed to be people of faith and power and praise God, and we are. But if you're hurting, you need help. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. There's a saying that I love that it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay to say I'm not okay. It is not okay to stay that way though. Because God has created a way to bring health and healing and strength into our life. First and foremost it's Him. But it's also through the body of believers. It's through one another. That's why... We're making a priority of small groups because we don't just need another church service. What we need is connection of believer to believer. And we don't have any going on right now. That's for a reason, but that's why it's important. They're not going away. I just tell you. Because it's important. Why? Because it's just coming and listening to one person talk. That's fine and there's a place for that. But there's also life that has to happen. Connection, relationship. This exactly what he says is that there's times that you need people to refresh you, to be kind to you, to comfort you, to revive you, to pray with you, to stand with you. 
I mean, my buddy in Boston, it doesn't matter what time. I mean, if I, woke, if I had a problem at 3 o'clock in the morning, I would not think twice about calling him. I would think twice about calling my family. I'd just be like, oh, I'll call them in the morning. Him, I'm like, get out of bed. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't think twice about it. Why? Because he would be there for me. And I've been there for him through some... I mean, we, we, I'll say it this way. We've watched each other bleed. And we've helped each other. And we've strengthened each other. There's many times that I'm frustrated and I'll call him. By the time I get off the phone, I'm like, man, it's not a big deal. I can do this or no big, you know. I've laughed about what I was ticked off about. Sometimes that's what you got to do. That leads me to my third. Well, let me say this. The, uh, the, I believe it's the New King James Version says that this uh, one Sephorius guy says that he encouraged Paul. That word encouraged there actually means to put breath back in. To put breath back in. To give me that fresh breath of fresh air. Now here's the thing. We're not looking to people necessarily to do this. But I do want to be around spiritual people who have the life of God in them. So that they can now turn around and breathe that life into me. And that's important. That we, you know, that's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourself. Why? Because it's important. Because life gets exchanged one to another. So here's another one. Number three. So if you find yourself in a place of low spirituality, realize it, call a timeout, do whatever you got to do, set some time aside, but you've got to get to a place where you can enjoy God. You've got to get to a place where you can enjoy others. If you're just tolerating everybody, you need a timeout. I mean, look, I've been there. I'm just like, I don't like nobody. Everybody's on my nerves. Like, I don't even know you and you're on my nerves. Like, you know, you ever been there? You're like, just, and it don't matter. You know, you get in traffic and you're ticked off all the time. At anybody, for everything. I get ticked off because everybody here drives so slow. I'm like, get out of my way, don't y'all know? Dang. Just, man. Sometimes I'm like, Lord's trying to work patience in me. And then I'm like, Lord, you need to remove them. Like, they're... Goodness gracious, just robbing my peace. And uh, so, so enjoy God, enjoy others. Here's another one, third one. This one's important. You got to laugh more. You got to laugh. You got to get around people that make you laugh. And if you can't get around people that make you laugh, get on YouTube and go watch a comedian. Laugh till you pee in your pants. It'll be good for you. I mean, you know, I do this. I have just video clips that I find hysterical. Now, you might be like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. I don't care. It makes me laugh. It's funny to me. I show Dara sometimes. I'm like, you have to watch this. And she's like, that's so stupid. (laughs) Of course, my thought is, you're lost. You know, I think it's hysterical. (laughs) Proverbs 17.22 says this. It says, a happy heart is good medicine. Well, this is the Amplified, but I'm going to read it anyways. I was going to read out of the New Living, but it says, a happy heart is good medicine and a joyful mind causes uh, healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A broken spirit would be a low place of spiritual life. Well, dry your bones. So what's something practical you can do? Find something that you find funny. Get around people that make you laugh. You're like, well, what do they do that's so funny? I don't know. I have a friend. He doesn't have to say anything. He just acts goofy. And that's just funny to me. 
mean, I, you know, and it makes me laugh. I mean, that's why I try at some level to try to put some humor in a message. This might be one of the few times all week that somebody might laugh. I don't consider myself a comedian, but hey, most of the time I just talk about real life and people are like, yeah, that's my life too. And they kind of laugh about it because they're like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. Yes. A happy heart, what? Is good like medicine. Well, that goes back to, you know, and so if, if you have somebody that you can be around, somebody you can talk with, somebody that just, I mean, you might go bowling with your friends and you're like, we're all terrible, but I love to watch them bowl because they're terrible. It's funny. We're terrible together. I mean, find ways to be in an environment where there's laughter. I love listening to Max laugh. I mean, because there's something so pure about it. It makes me laugh. I've I've got it on my phone. So I can go, you know, sometimes when I get good and ticked off, you know, I ain't that holy. And, uh, you know, but I'll pull up a video and I'll click on it because it reminds me what matters. And it's that little laugh. And it just, it recalibrates my mind. And it's like, man, I was ticked off, but that little laugh is soothing to my soul. You know, and, 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 and that's important because I understand that, man, if I don't, because I, I tend to be on the more serious side of life. My mom used to have to tell me, David, you need to, like, chill out. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to be adult yet. And I was, like, 15. Everything was serious as a heart attack. It's life or death. And she's, like, calm, because she was that way. And she's like, I'm telling you. So I always say I was an adult when I was a teenager, so now I can lighten up as an adult. So. Because I am much more laid back than I used to be. I used to be wound really tight. And I've had to learn that it's okay to like laugh. And it's okay to just have a good time. But it's something I've had to learn to do. It didn't come natural to me. You know, um, you know, and exactly what it says that there are times that, man, I've got to get in that place where I can kind of lighten up and just enjoy. And that's important for all of us. And it's spiritual. It's not just natural. There is something about laughter that, you know, and I won't get into it, but I've I've actually looked into the medical science behind it, that your brain actually starts to release endorphins and it starts to do all kinds. This very good, even medically, they've proven it, that that scripture is actually true. Laughter is better than medicine many times. And so, you know, you, you get to a place where, you know, either get around people or get yourself to watch some things. And so the three things you got to do. Enjoy God, enjoy others. You got to laugh more. Your problems will still be here. Just take a break and go take some laugh. Just go, I mean, do whatever you got to do, but get to a place where you're enjoying the presence of God. It's not mundane. You've got to break the mundane and the everyday. Life comes daily, and it comes very routine. And so you've got to make some, put it on the calendar. I mean, one of the things I did this year was I said quarterly, I'm going to get away. Four times this year, I'm going to get away. I did the first one, I didn't do the second one. We're working on that. But I have to. For me. Because I'll get busy doing something else. Now I've got to break the every day. I've got to break my pattern. I've got to break my routines. Why? Because I've got to recalibrate. I've got to remember. It's like... When I was upset and I go and look at the video of Max, why? It recalibrates my mind. That is not that important. He's what matters. 
Dare is what matters. Our family is what matters. You know, and, and that helps kind of re, refocus me on what's ultimately important. So you've got to do some things that not just recalibrate your mind, but also your soul and your spirit. You've got to get to a place where even your spirit man can be reminded of what really matters. And what really the focus of our life is to be. And so I'm going to remind you and we'll, be, uh, we'll wrap up. But of what, where I started is, and this is why this matters so much, is you never want to make big decisions from a place of low spirituality. You know, I mean, I wouldn't tell somebody, hey, you ought to go marry that person. I know that you're struggling with your relationship with the Lord. But yeah, I think it's a good idea. Go get married. Like, no, that's not a good decision. Like, you need to get where you need to be with the Lord. And then you can ask him about getting married. You know, I mean, I would even say it on major purchases. I wouldn't go buy a car. I wouldn't commit myself to large financial obligations from a place of low spirituality. I mean, you know, it's what me and Derek used to call shop therapy. And we ran up a whole lot of debt with shop therapy. The problem was, is we weren't fixing the problem. We were just medicating some because it made us feel good because we went and bought something with money we didn't have. Why? Because it wasn't smart. We weren't in a good, I mean, you know, and this was a number of years ago now, but neither one of us were really in a healthy place spiritually. So we were trying to cope. Well, that wasn't good. It took us years to pay for, you know, that stuff. We did get it paid for, but it took years. And in hindsight, I'm like, man, well, we wouldn't have done that. But it was done, so we didn't have a choice. And so you got to realize and be, you know, and I believe it's where you've got to be honest with yourself too. Hey, I'm not where I need to be in my own heart. And then, but when you realize it, it's simple. It's really not difficult, but it is making, re, uh, kind of defining your priorities. You got to enjoy God. I know that's simple and it sounds real. You've got to get to where the presence of God actually moves your heart. Like where it does something to you. I mean, if you can be in the presence of God and it doesn't move your heart, you're in trouble. If you're with people and all you're doing is tolerating them, you're in trouble. If you're in a place where you can't laugh, you're in trouble. And it's time to hit the reset button. Call a timeout, hit the reset, do what you got to do. Come back to God, get connected with people, remember to laugh, and your spiritual life will come back. That, that breath of fresh air from the Lord will begin to, will begin to breathe in your heart again. And then you're going to find your spiritual strength and your spiritual life. And you'll be excited about the things of God again. And it's just a matter of really priority. That's all it's about.